Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Okay, welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. We are continuing, and maybe this is the last one, I'm not sure, of our, our kind of series or theme of ways that insects are beneficial in history or in um, unconventional ways. So beyond just being a pollinator or a predator in your garden, ways that we have used insects for byproducts and for other things. And today we're talking about one of my favorite insects in recent years, which is the honeybee. And everybody's familiar with honeybees and that honeybees produce honey, but they also produce a number of other byproducts that we use kind of in everyday life. You might be surprised at some of the things that they make that we use and we don't recognize it. When I go to schools, I always ask kids why honeybees are beneficial. And they will always say, well, because of the honey. And that's true. Their real benefit is that they're pollinators in agricultural systems. That's probably their, you know, if you had to rank things, that would be number one. That, that would be the big money maker. It is. It's a way big <laughs> money maker. You don't, amazingly, you don't make as much money off of honey. I always tell people if you're into bees for the honey to save your money on honey, um, that's like buying chickens to save your money on eggs. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's just a fun hobby to do. And to get a little benefit from it, but you would still, it'd be cheaper to go out and buy honey for most people. There's, you know, some people do it commercially and they do really well, but you have large, large numbers of bees. Uh, but honey is, is a huge byproduct that is most well known of from honeybees. There are very few insects that can produce large amounts of honey and the amount of honey that honeybees produce is enough for us to steal. And the, also the fact that they put it in wax makes it easy to filter and pull the wax out and separate it from the honey. So it comes out cleaner. Um, we, you get raw or unfiltered honey. It's still filtered through like a screen. So you can get the bits and pieces of the insect parts out of there and the wax, but um, the way that they build their honey inside of their house makes it easy for us to steal from them and to kind of make it clean. Which we talked earlier about the Mexican honey wasps that also create honey, but it's not something that you can do really on a commercial basis easily. But if you want to know more about those, look at the previous episode. I wonder if somebody one day will figure out a way to do that though. Like that could be a, that sounds like something somebody in Austin would do. <laughs> I mean, there's becoming more and more of them or they're more and more common. So maybe someone should try it. So the way that, it, that bees make honey is kind of interesting to me. They take nectar from the flowers, they suck it all up and they put it into their honey stomach. And so when they get back into their nest, they regurgitate it out and they'll feed some to their larvae and their, their queen and the workers, but anything extra gets put into their pantry or into cells of, of a honeycomb. And, uh, after it, it evaporates enough of the moisture out of it. It becomes really syrupy. So yesterday I was out at my bees and I had to shake some bees off and I had uncapped honey where it was just cells that were open, naked, exposed, but I could see the liquid inside there. And when I shook it out, it came out kind of like water. It wasn't very thick. Um, it was definitely not syrupy like honey is. So this extra stuff that they have, if they don't need to feed on it, they let the water evaporate out of it. And as soon as it it has the right consistency, they'll put a cap on it to store it. 
And capped honey is what we take from the bees because it's syrupy. Um, it will not crystallize quite as quickly because there's less water content in it. And it tastes sweet like honey to us. If we were to consume uncapped honey, it's a little bit tart. It's still sweet in your mouth, but it's just a little bit tart or almost like a fermented flavor to it. So it doesn't taste quite as good as the thick capped honey. Okay. I, I have some questions. Okay. Can I, can I interrupt one? I want to ask about the honey stomach. Is that like different from their regular digestive tract? It's separated off. It is. So they have two stomachs. Well, the honey stomach doesn't digest anything really. It just kind of, um, stores the food in there for them. So it's kind of like a crop on birds, you know? Okay. But is it because insects have that crop too, but is it like separated off of their regular digestive tract? And then my next question would be, how do they get it to go there instead of in the regular digestive tract? I, well, so the honey stomach is like a little stomach before their regular stomach. So maybe it's just the time, okay. the time, you know, can they, if they get back into the nest and they're able to regurgitate that back. But I suspect that some of it probably makes it into their actual digestive tract. If it, okay. If it All takes right. them a while. What I have heard is that the honey stomach can fill like it's really expandable. And so it can almost fill the entirety of the bee. And, and you'll see bees that are like kind of translucent. Their bellies are really fat because they're just full of nectar. So it's, they can get a lot of food and then waddle their way back into their hive. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> so my next question is how do they know, like, do they taste the honey so they can see what consistency it is? So they know when to cap it. I don't know. I, I always thought that there was like a certain sugar to water ratio that some that, I mean, that's essentially what it is so they can detect it. Okay. And that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, beekeepers will use those. Um, what are those things called that we use for like melons to figure out if this, how sweet it is. Uh, you use it for, for wine. Oh yeah. I, yes. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what they're called. It, 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 uh, measures the water content. So even if it's capped, some beekeepers, if you're going to sell a ton of your honey, they'll use that because if there's too much moisture in the honey, it crystallizes, it doesn't go bad. It just crystallizes and you can remelt it. It's not harmful for you to eat in any way. All honey will eventually crystallize. It, it just will. And, um, especially if you have the, if you open it all the time. And so you get just humidity from the, from the air that gets in there. So crystallized honey, isn't bad honey. It's just honey that puts moisture in it is all it is, but we cannot replicate honey. We can't make it. Honey is produced from nectar from flowers and then enzymes that are inside that honey stomach from the bee. So when you eat honey, you essentially eat nectar and bee spit that is turned into a syrup and it's delicious. It is. I think it's kind of crazy though. Like this is the year 2022. Why can't we figure out how to, how to make the enzymes fake and make our own honey, but we, we can't. Well, we don't have flying cars yet either. So, you know, that's true. That is true. Sometimes you might hear about fake honey and don't get your honey from China or somewhere else. There are, um, markets that will just make sugar water and diet and make their own little syrup and try to sell it. So to ensure that it's true honey, make sure that it's from a local beekeeper. Um, because you, one of the ways that China was 
was able to go around the restrictions. They weren't allowed to sell honey to the United States. Well, then they started selling it to smaller countries. And all of a sudden, these smaller countries that maybe produced 2,000 gallons of honey in a year were now producing 200,000 gallons because China was selling to them. They were packaging it as their own honey and then selling it to the United States. So to avoid that and get true, true honey, just get honey from your local beekeeper. And there, um, if you go to the Texas Beekeepers Association website, just Google Texas Beekeepers Association. They actually have a map of people who have who sell honey and they have to be vetted. And so you can look and see who's local to you if you want to go to a farmer market or purchase directly from them. Do grocery stores carry honey from local bee? Because I think I've seen some in HEB before where it's like it says local honey, but then it says blah, 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 Texas or whatever. Yeah. Is that good? I think that it is. There are some like really large beekeeping companies that sell huge amounts of honey and the apiary location on the label. I think that's probably a good indicator that it's a true, that it's really honey. If it just says like Texas honey and there's nothing else to it, then it may not be, you know, you just, they're tricky about that. Okay. Don't buy generic, buy the real stuff. And it's expensive because it, it takes a lot to get some honey from those bees. Honey also you might see is like different flavors or different wildflower honey or clover honey or whatnot. And that's just um, whatever's blooming when they pull the honey off of the bees, they assume that that's what they've gone and picked up and it can vary in, in color. I can have, even within in individual colonies, when I pull honey off of them, I can have one colony that has real clear, clean honey. And then another colony where it's almost like molasses and really dark. And that's just what they go and pick up and also how dirty their feet are because you know, that's, they, they get dirt in there and it changes the, the color and you'll notice the taste might vary a little, little bit too, based on what they've been picking up. So honey is the big one. Another large thing that bees produce is beeswax. And we utilize that in a number of different ways. When we build our homes, we build our homes out of two by fours, out of wood and nails and, and stone, right? That's the structure. That's what our structure of our home is, is comprised of. Bees build their homes inside of holes and they use wax to construct their home. So wax is where they store their food. It's where they lay their babies. It's every part of it. So there's honeycomb and then there's brood comb or the babies get laid in there. That wax can be melted down. If it's nice and clean wax, it can be melted down and it can be used for a number of different things. I think candles is probably the obvious one. Um, but we use it a lot in cosmetics, um, in like lip balms and lipsticks and face masks and things like that. Burt's bees. Burt's bees. Yeah. That's beeswax. We also use the beeswax for like lacquer. And I think I've heard sometimes that it can be sprayed on, um, have you heard this where it's sprayed on fruits and things? So they're more aesthetically pleasing. Oh, to make them shiny. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like me using it to polish the sea beans that I find and it makes them all shiny and nice looking. Yeah. So it's a polish. It works wonderfully. It's a lacquer. It can be a wood. It can, it can waterproof wood and also be like a a lubricant for wood or a, a lotion, a wood lotion, I guess. Crayons. I think there's some beeswax inside of crayons. Those would be fancy. That makes sense, right? Like crayons are really waxy. They melt but just waterproofing things. Some people use beeswax to put on their boots and waterproof their boots. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I guess they're leather. 
what else? I can't think of anything else that we really use beeswax for. I use it for making like squeaky drawers or that, that don't slide in and out. You can run the, like a beeswax bar over that to make it easier to slide. Or if you have a door that squeaks, instead of using like WD-40 or something, you can put some of that on there and it makes it less noisy. And a couple of other things that we utilize be uh, byproducts from is Royal jelly propolis. And we actually use the bee pollen. So Royal jelly, you probably think of this as what gets fed to the queen and it does, but actually all of the bees, every larva gets fed a little bit of Royal jelly. The queen just gets fed a consistent, constant diet of only Royal jelly. And that's what makes her become a queen. All of the, the eggs that will become a female can become a queen if they're given that royal jelly, which is crazy. It's only the food that makes her become a queen. That, I mean, that to me, that's insane. So uh, royal jelly is produced by, by a bee when they've hatched out of the pupa. They're an adult bee that is six to 11 days old. And in that time frame, they have a gland in their head that will produce royal jelly. So the royal jelly is actually something that their body makes to turn things into a queen. <laughs> and, um, they, when, when you make queen cells or when the bees make queen cells, they will, they will fill it with Royal jelly so that when that egg hatches, it's just sitting in a bath of Royal jelly, eating all of it. So I think that the way that people extract Royal jelly for, um, for purchase is that they, there are special frames where bees want to make Queens, they're queen frames, and they'll just scoop that Royal jelly out of there. So you're getting like a teensy little bit out of every single queen cell. And if you've ever purchased Royal jelly, it's, it's very expensive because it's a lot of labor and they just don't produce tons and tons of it. You can't like milk a bee's head to get it out. Right. So you have to make them put it somewhere in order for you to where one does the gland go away after that 11 days? Like, does it close? Is it kind of like a baby fontanelle where it eventually closes up after they're so old? I think the, like the hole is still there, but just the gland is no longer active. There must be, so they don't produce it anymore. Right. So there must be pheromones or hormones that make it active because also bees that produce the beeswax, these are construction worker bees and they are ages 12 to 16 days old. You have glands on your stomach on the underside of their abdomen that produce the wax and they, it grows and they pop out these little pieces of wax and then they use it to mold and make their house. That is fascinating. You know that they have jobs based on age, but also their body produces things that make them have to do that job. (laughs) Well, it's like, you think about like humans, it's not like we have necessarily jobs, but you have, you know, I've got a teenager in the thick of things and the hormones are running rampant, but then you also have women who go through menopause and you have those hormones going down. So I kind of think of that as kind of the bees they are going through these different stages, but it's on a much quicker cycle because they don't live as long. Yeah, exactly. When you really get into it, I've always said that I studied the wrong insect. I really should have studied bees because they're just, it's bonkers. It's just unbelievable. Some of the stuff that they do. I think it's pretty amazing. Okay. So what do people buy Royal jelly to do? Like, what is it? I I have this 
I don't know, bathing yourself in it and it does something for your skin or I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I bet there are people probably that do do that, but it's usually uh, found next to the honey. So it's consumed. It is hugely high in caloric numbers. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it can be used as like a weight gainer type of a thing, but it's supposed to be very highly nutritious, full of enzymes and uh, micronutrients and other things that you may not be getting from your regular diet. But consuming it, it's, it has antimicrobial properties. It also has believed to have anti-inflammatory properties. So people may consume it to, you know, if you have arthritis or something, people believe it has some health benefits to it, whether it does or not. I don't know, Makes sense. but, um, that's, we, I guess, instead of coating yourself in it, you could, you eat it. Um, so then I was segueing into another thing that bees make that we consume is bee pollen. And you probably see bees, of course, always after the flowers, a really fun thing for me to do is see the bees going into their hive with the pollen shoved on their, they have little pollen baskets on their little legs. So they look like thunder thighs going back into their hive and pollen, just like nectar is going to look different. There's different colors of, of pollen from various different flowers. So I love this time of year to go into my hives. And I'll see some that are like white, they have little white pieces of pollen on their bodies all the way to yellow to like almost burnt orange, you know, close to Brown. The, the color that varies from that is amazing. And beekeepers have figured out a way that in the, on the entrance of where bees enter, you can put up little combs or special apparatuses like grates where the bees can squeeze through, but it pops off the pollen off of their little legs and it falls into a little contraption that you can take back and stick into a jar and people purchase that and they eat the pollen. And have you ever eaten pollen before little pollen balls? I have not, but I've, I've seen jars of it in like health food places. I always wondered what it was for. Some people eat it for the benefits of allergies. So if they consume it, then they expose themselves to small amounts of the allergens. And so would that be something that you would need to purchase locally as well? So you have the plants that are in your area, you, you would, um, pollen locally and also local honey. And the thing to remember though, is that if you get your allergies in the fall time, the honey that you're consuming was most likely taken off of plants that were blooming in the spring. So it's not going to help you with every single allergy, pollen allergy that you have, but there is some science that, um, backs up the, the thought that it can reduce your reaction to some, some allergies, but it can take up to six months to a year before it actually works. You have to be very consistent. With and it. do you have to take it every day? I'm assuming that's what I've heard. A tablespoon every day, pollen take less. Okay. But they say a tablespoon of honey every day and it will help with your local mm -hmm. allergies. So do bees store pollen in the hive? itself? They do. And when it's stored inside the hive, they take those little balls off. Like if you buy it though, they're kind of hard. They're not mm -hmm. mushy. They'll add a little nectar to it and turn it into like a dough and they call it bee bread. And so you kind of see this shiny yellow and orange, um, in the cells of the hives. And usually that they will be close to where the babies are because they can go grab it and feed it to them because it's the protein. So queen needs it. If there's no pollen, the queen's not going to lay eggs. Um, she doesn't lay eggs in the winter because there is no pollen. So in springtime, that's when she builds up because the pollen is, is available. And then the babies eat the pollen too. The workers eat some of it, but not as much. So why, and you may not know the answer, but why would they collect the pollen? Is it easier to collect it 
from the bees as they're going in to the hive over that grate, as opposed to trying to collect it from the cells? Yeah, because it's, you'd have to have like a scooper to scoop it out. And when you, you don't have to mess with it, it's not mushy. It comes off like perfect little pellets that you can easily just package. Well, because they have that little basket thing that they cram everything yeah. down into, right? So it, yeah. it's kind of that shape. They're, they're packing it for you. So that's fantastic. Nice. I've had pollen before and it tastes exactly how you imagine it would taste. Like <laughs> it's kind of like that cinnamon challenge that kids used to do. Like you can't eat too much <laughs> of it because it's, once it breaks open in your mouth, it's powdery. You kind of feel it coming out your nose. It, it tastes sweet. It's not good. At least I don't think it's good, but I know people that will stick it in smoothies um, or sprinkle it on like salads. They'll mix it with other food, a tablespoon or so to add some protein to their diet. So, I mean, some people love it. I I'm not knocking it. I just, I'm, I'm going to have to go try all of these things now. (laughs) Do they come in like capsules or is it just like the little balls of pollen that are in the jar? It comes in little separate little balls in there. The the little ball thingies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can shake it like grains of rice or like more like kosher salt, I guess, you know, how cute it is cute and varying colors all mixed up in there. I've always thought I want to try to do that, try to collect pollen, but I imagine that it's, it takes a long, long time and you have to have a lot of things blooming and producing pollen for you to get enough to be able to sell, you know, sell in the stores. I just think that would be really frustrating for the bees that it's like, okay, I spent all this time going around and collecting this pollen. And now I go to put it into my home and you took it. Well, I get, you know, same thing for honey. Exactly. Like I told people yesterday I was talking to, I was like, Bees are not making honey for us. We just steal it from them. Exactly. I mean, they must just have tons and tons of pollen to be able to steal that from them, but you can actually buy synthetic pollen patties to provide to your bees in times when there aren't enough pollen available for them. Oh, okay. Wait, synthetic pollen. Like it's not actual pollen. Yeah. You can buy real pollen or you buy I don't know what is in it, but it's a synthetic pollen. And it's like this big sheet of sticky stuff and you cut pieces, little squares out of it and you stick it inside your hive and they eat it. Wow. It's a, like a, when you feed your bees, you feed honey, you feed them sugar water and you can also feed them pollen. Cool. All things that you learn over time when you kill bees and your hives don't thrive and you do a little research and realize, huh, I should be feeding them a little bit more. (laughs) That's why you should take Molly's beekeeping class. If you want to get into beekeeping. That's right. Cause I will tell you all of my trial and errors, and then you can learn from my mistakes. <laughs> and the final thing that I am well aware of that bees pr- produce that we will take from them is something called propolis or propolis. I've heard it pronounced both different ways, but propolis, propolis, I say propolis. Propolis is something that bees make with like resin of tree sap. And I'm sure probably their spit. Um, as well, but it's a a really gummy, um, sticky substance. It's the glue that they use to keep everything sealed up super duper duper tight. That's why you have to have hive tools to open up and crack open your hive. What you're doing is cracking that glue open. And once you crack it open, they seal it right back up again. So like within a day, if not even hours, they'll have it all sealed up. And so propolis to me looks like, um, it's very black, Um, it's much, much stickier than wax is, and it has, um, antimicrobial properties. So, um, the bees will 
it keeps moisture from getting into the hive, but also bees that produce a lot of propolis generally don't get diarrhea because they have, um, that antimicrobial property. Okay. Wait, bees get diarrhea. They do. Um, they get, I mean, they get into stuff and they get upset stomachs and I think no SEMA. How, how do you know that they have diarrhea? Because they don't like to poop inside their hive when they have diarrhea. So they come out and you see streaks of, <gasps> of like fallen colored poo. <laughs> oh, wow. On the outside. Huh? Yeah. I think it's nosema. I think that's the bacteria. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, that they get into, which probably is on flowers and other stuff, you know, and um, gives them an upset stomach. And so some people actually give antibiotics to their bees sometimes. I've never had to do that. That's a whole other, that's a whole other thing because now that you have to get your, you have you used to be able to just pick it up from like the feed store or through a supplier. Now you have to go to a veterinarian because you're getting antibiotics for an animal. And apparently vets have to, <laughs> so they have to prescribe medication for your bees. Yes, oh, I do now. Oh, I love it like so a, much. This is a new thing that is like only a couple years old. And like, you know, all the beekeepers are up in arms about it. Cause now they have to pay a vet to get their medicine. The vet doesn't know the beekeepers know, you know, it's a whole wow. thing, but you don't have to take the bees in for diagnosis. You don't know. I don't think so. I mean, maybe <laughs> that, what, you, I guess it depends. That, wow. Huh? 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 I guess it depends on the vet. I don't know. My father's a vet and it, in his like journals, there's articles all the time. He's always pulling them out and giving them to me oh so I can goodness. read them. So they're trying to get the word out to the vets. That is crazy. <laughs> it's okay. interesting. So what do people use the propolis for? like humans eat it. And I don't know how it comes because it's real gooey. So when I get it off of my hives, I just use my scraper and I scrape it and it just kind of rolls up into a little roll. So maybe they put it into balls or something. I think you have to clean it because it will have some stuff in it, but I don't know how that process is. If it's just like an alcohol wash or something, but it's used for a number of different things. Some very funny things. So it's antimicrobial. It's used in medication for cold sores and genital herpes, which I think is hilarious. Uh, of course. Yeah. Big one though is burns. They'll use it on burns. And I, I can imagine they probably have something like that in hospitals. Um, it also has some anti-inflammatory and antifungal properties, just antimicrobial in general. Some people will eat it. It's supposed to have anti-ulcer properties and anti-cancer. Although I would probably not only take propolis to try to control certain types of cancer. Um, but it's like, it's medicinal. So it was probably used by, you know, people where bees are native, right. In Europe and in Africa, probably used by them quite a bit and less and less now that we have modern medicine. Wow. Huh. That doesn't, it doesn't sound like, like I can't imagine eating something that's like all gummy and waxy yeah. and I don't know. It, well, I, you know, as a kid, I used to eat those stupid, like wax lips things. So, you know, maybe I would. Who yeah. Knows? <laughs> and that's exactly what wax is. It's like, so initially in my mind, I thought like honeycomb and wax would be crunchy, but it's not, it's just like the wax lips or the, the bottles with the little fake soda, oh, those bottles with the juice. Yeah. Yes. So you can just Love chew it and those. chew it and chew it all you want. And you can't digest it. So people say to eat the, cause you can buy honey with the comb in it, eat the comb and it'll kind of, it's like eating fiber. It'll help kind of clear out your, that is my favorite 
kind of honey is like when it's got the comb in it. Yeah. I, I love it. When I was, uh, when I worked at the Insector at Ohio State, we had somebody that kept bees up on the roof where we were located and she would always bring us fresh honey in. And I was just like, this is the best ever. Cause it just, the taste is so different when you get something from a hive versus something at the grocery store, especially when it's like straight out of the hive, not filtered. And, you know, it's just way different than other honey. And that's my favorite. I love it. It is. It is definitely different. And I think if they, if they're selling it commercially that way, they actually have to, um, pasteurize it. So that probably changes its taste quite a bit also. Yeah. Those Uh, legalities. Dang it. I know. I am going to, I'm going to scrape some propolis for you and put it in a bag so you can feel it and see it and chew on it and see if you like it. It's going to have some leaves stuck in it and ant potty parts and (laughs) yeah, it's okay. Cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Propolis is sometimes it's something that you really don't want in your hive because everything gets gummy and sticky. And so over time you will try to clean a lot of that propolis off, but they build it right back up. again. Are they like sealing off like where the hot, like the, the seams, like we put the lid on the hive. And so they're sealing that with the propolis mm-hmm. or are they sealing areas of the frame or all of the above. So like between your you have your bottom board and you have your hive box sitting on top of it. They'll seal that all along the edge. If you have a second box on it, they seal in between there, the frames where the frames touch, they seal that if there's any crack so that there's a, there's a thing called a B space. And if the space is larger than three eighths of an inch, they will build comb to fill that hole. If it's smaller than a quarter of an inch, they'll propolize it. So any space that's less than a quarter of an inch, they want to they want everything to be nice and dark and cozy. And so they'll propolize those little tiny spaces. Well, I would also assume that the propolis would help them keep the moisture out to kind of control the humidity for the honey too, right? It, it definitely does. It's like an insulator. Um, you know, you don't, when it rains really hard, if they've propolized well, you won't get, you won't get um, rain getting in those little cracks. That is so cool. And it's crazy. You know, you'll crack it open. You can hear it. If it's a hot day and you put your hive tool in between two boxes, you hear kind of this sucky, sticky sound when you break it open. But if it's a colder day, that propolis is, is harder and you hear it go crack when you do it. So, and then you'll mess it up. Right. And they'll stick your boxes back on there and you go back out there the next day and they've already made it sticky again. They've already propolized it right back up. And that, that is a mixture of, you said tree sap and probably their saliva. How, how do they collect that? Like, is it in their like mouth parts that they like in their mandibles, I would assume that they're collecting that and kind of manipulating it so they can cram it into those holes. Um, I'm trying to look it up for you actually. So I would want to point this out because I get a lot of people that are like, I have bees all over my tree this might be a reason why (laughs) that you're seeing them on your trees. Yeah. That and your trees produce pollen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of trees right now are making flowers that you don't really see or flowers. So they, it's a sticky resin. It's resin, not really, which I guess is this is a component of sap. Um, and they put it apparently on their pollen baskets on their hind leg and carry it back. So they have to be pretty fast. So it, so I guess it doesn't really, does not necessarily use their spit either. Although they have to probably use their mouth parts to kind of 
manipulate it and maybe soften it up even maybe they do something because I just I think a tree sap and it's like that would be so gummy and sticky and gross and thinking like pine sap getting on my hand and not being able to wash it off in this picture that I'm looking at on um University of Minnesota has a big bee lab so I'm on their website and they the prop there's a picture of a bee inside of its hide with the propolis and it's kind of like melting off of them like it's it's just kind of you know like like I guess they got to get back pretty fast dripping that is so interesting love it. And then it says also that when the colony is sick, they'll collect extra propolis to fight off infection. Oh, so they're making antibiotics for themselves. That's brilliant. Bees are crazy things. I mean, they have a whole little world happening inside that hive that is hidden to us. All right. Well, there you go with some of the byproducts that bees produce, honeybees produce other than just what we typically know of as honey. Thanks for joining us at Bugs by the Yard, and we hope to catch you next time. 